Would you turn your Bible, please, to Malachi, the third chapter? Malachi, chapter 3. Today is family day in our Sunday school, and at the end of the service this morning, I want to recognize some of those with the large families and the other things that are mentioned in the bulletin that we will mention and recognize. So you keep that in mind. In Malachi chapter 3, this passage is perhaps most famous for its section dealing with robbing God. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Somebody said, how do we rob God? You have robbed me in tithes and offerings. But that's not what I want to preach on this morning. Even though this chapter is the most famous for that. Look at Malachi 3, beginning with verse 16. May we bow together for a moment of prayer before we read from the Word. Father, we thank Thee for the joy and privilege of being God's children. We're so grateful that our names are written in heaven. That we have been accepted in the Beloved because of the great price the Lord Christ paid for us at the cross. We pray that this morning, every man, woman, boy, and girl, within the sound of His voice, will come under the gospel, the word of truth. May Thy Holy Spirit do His work of conviction. We pray that anyone who is without Jesus will come to Christ today. Holy Spirit, we're literally dependent upon thee. We ask thou wouldst do thy work. In Jesus' name, amen. In Malachi 3, beginning with verse 16, this is one of the famous 316s of the Bible. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. The book of remembrance. Many times in the Bible, there is reference to a special book, the book of the law, spoken of in Deuteronomy 31.22 and Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, the Word of God tells us. The injunction is to follow what the Word of God says, the book of the law. And then in Deuteronomy 7. 10, the book of judgment. And again, in many circumstances, and in many passages, we read of the book of life. And we're told in 
Luke chapter 10, verse 20, that we're to rejoice because our names are written in the book of life. We're not so much to rejoice because the devils are subject unto us, or because we have various powers and charismatic gifts. We're to rejoice because our name is written in heaven. And then in Malachi, this passage says, there is a book of remembrance written for them that feared the Lord, that thought upon his name. You think for a few moments of that book of remembrance. If we should all write a book of memory today, it would be filled with exciting joys. It would be filled with snapshots and pictures from childhood and from scenes of others that were very, very precious and important to us. It would be filled with portraits of mother and dad and grandmother and grandfather and all of the various experiences that have come to us to brighten the road and lighten the load. That would be our book of remembrance. Those who are seniors this year have been asked to have a book of remembrance, a memory book in which to write various exciting happenings this year. Well, God has a book of remembrance. And in that book of remembrance is written those that fear the Lord. This is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Etched upon our hearts as Americans is just a simple gratitude to God for having the joy of being born in a nation where there's liberty, where there's freedom, where we can go from one state to another without asking permission, where we can travel thousands of miles without the consent of the government, where we are free to salute not only the American flag, but the Christian flag and the Bible, where we're free to have meetings like this, we give God the glory. This is a season of praise. It's a season of pause in the rush of the year when the world hesitates and slows in its busy routine to give thanks and to remember. Some have complained that perhaps we have commercialized Thanksgiving, but at least it turns our thoughts toward gratitude. This is a time when we pause in our programs and promotions and businesses, and we all unite in thanking God for His goodness. We think of September 8, 1620, that voyage of 63 days and the landing at Plymouth. We think of November 1621, when our first Christian forebearers knelt on a rock and barren shore, giving God the credit and the glory for a year. A year that saw most of them die. A year that saw all kinds of hardships and the snow king spread his blanket of snow across the earth. People's feet frozen. And many who came 
on that ship from the old country were not here after one year to give credit or glory to God. And yet those that remained thanked God. The breaking waves dashed high on a stern and rock-bound coast, and the woods against a stormy sky their giant branches tossed. And the heavy night hung dark, the hills and waters o'er when a band of exiles moored their bark on a wild New England shore. Not as the conqueror comes, they the true-hearted came, not with the roll of stirring drums and the trumpet that sings of fame, not as the flying come in silence and in fear. They shook the depths of the desert gloom with their hymns of lofty cheer. What sought they thus afar? Bright jewels of the mine, the wealth of seas, the spoils of war? They sought a faith's pure shrine. I call it holy ground, the soil where they first trod. They have left unstained what here they found, freedom to worship God. And if we were writing a book of memory, we certainly would enter them. And in our gratitude, we would thank God for this great universe, the sun, the moon, the stars. I think of that lady who went up on top of a hill and said she was a poverty-stricken lady. She didn't have very much of this world's goods. And she stood on top of the hill and she said, Ah, oh, thank God there's enough air. And the air is free. We thank God for our rich heritage. Other nations founded by gold seekers, America founded by God seekers. Our forefathers could not tolerate the ancient tyranny of potentates and kings and left the old country to come here to found a nation conceived in liberty, dedicated to the proposition that all men are to have rights, rights that are equal one with the other. We think of the great leaders of the past, Roger Williams, who was willing to die, if need be, for religious liberty. We think of that man over in Virginia, that preacher, who stood true and strong for God, and they took him out and whipped him. And a man came along and saw him being whipped. They said, why are you whipping this man? They said, he refused to take a license to preach. He refused to take a license for his church. We're whipping him. Patrick Henry went back to the Virginia legislature and introduced bills against such. And he stood in that stirring, passionate speech and said, give me liberty or give me death. Those words were spoken in regard to a man who was willing to be flogged for his faith because he would not accept a license from the government because he said, I have this as an inalienable right. We thank God for those spiritual forebearers. We thank God for George Washington who said, this event is in the hands of God, the raising of this nation. Benjamin Franklin who said, no sparrow falleth to the ground without the Almighty taking notice of it. Is it likely that an empire can rise without his aid? And Abraham Lincoln, who said, No mortal counsel hath devised, no human hand hath wrought these wonders. We thank God for the modern inventions, the atomic and hydrogen power, the spacecraft. 
thank the Lord for the great crisis events in our history. The Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. The Constitution of the United States ratified in 1788. The Civil War and Gettysburg Address in July of 16, 1863, when Abraham Lincoln said the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. We think of the Armistice Day on November 11, 1918, when World War I came to a close. We think of that ignoble day on December 7, 1941, when our nation was humiliated and our fleet was destroyed, and it looked for a little while that America would go down in disgrace and shame. And then America prayed and rallied, and our men went off to give the last part of their blood, their devotion to God and country. They were willing to take a stand for God and for their nation. So we have the privilege of saying thank you, Lord, for August of 1945, when the bloodiest of all wars came to a close with the peace, not only in Germany, but in Japan. We thank God that we had some men who were willing to go out to Korea, lay down their lives to fight, to battle, so that that little peninsula nation could remain strong and free. And as I traveled through Korea a year ago, some of those preachers said, go back and tell the American people, thank you for sending the nations, thank you for sending the men, thank you for sending the armaments, thank you for defending South Korea because of what you did, because of what America did. We're a free nation. And what was just a little handful of Christians in 1950, 51, just a few now we have over six million believers in Korea because there was a stopgap drawn at the 38th parallel that stopped agnosticism and atheism and communism. And this nation is free. I'm thankful. And in the book of memory, I think the book of God's memory, God has written a book for those that fear the Lord. But ladies and gentlemen, if we should come to an hour when we no longer fear the Lord, who can tell what travesty, what tragedy would tear this great nation apart? Now, the Bible teaches that we're saved by grace through faith. Just as an individual is saved by grace through faith, we come to God, we trust Him, we receive Him as our personal Savior, and He saves us. He saves us forever, once and for all. We're not saved three or four or five times. A person can only be saved one time, born into the kingdom of God one time. We're saved by grace through faith. But after we're saved, and our name is written in the book of life, then I believe God watches the way we live and the way we operate and the way we work and the way we serve and the way we give to God our time, our tithes, our talents, all we are on the altar. And God writes in His book of remembrance those 
who are faithful to Him. Now, this is not some kind of a super salvation. You see, salvation is only on one level. You get saved, and when you get saved, it's in three tenses. You are saved from the penalty of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. We're saved. There is no hell for the believer. The person who has been saved is not going to hell. Secondly, he is being saved from the power of sin. For sin shall not have power over you. For you are not under the law but under grace. Therefore sin shall not have dominion over you. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to love, I don't love them anymore. There's a new spirit, a new understanding, a new passion, a new, new desire, new ambitions in my life since I was saved. And when Christ comes in, He changes you. The best definition of a saved person is C-H-A-N-G-E-D, changed. He's changed. And the power of sin no longer has its dominion, its clutches, its tentacle, octopus-like tentacles around us to drag us down in defeat. So Christ wants to give us spiritual strength and power, power over sin. And thirdly, salvation, this great salvation we have is in the future tense. We shall be saved one day from the very presence of sin when this vile body fashioned like unto his glorious body and all the weaknesses are gone. Our dear one who's been so sick for six years knows today for the first time the release in the spirit in which this frail body dropped and exchanged for a body that can never be touched by weakness or frailty. That is the birthright, the spiritual inheritance of every believer. That's what salvation is. But ladies and gentlemen, after we get saved, while we're here, God wants us to present to Him all we are. Dr. Franklin here this morning has given God a long life of service and has made investments along the line, investments of time, invest, investments of great skill, one of the great skilled physicians of our day, of the, la of the past century. And he has given these investments not only of his skill, of his energy, of his time, and of his resources, but of the very fiber of his life. That's what God wants. He wants it offered on the altar of service. He wants all there is of our lives. I think of Dr. Robert G. Lee, born November the 11th, 1886, promoted to be with G Jesus July 20th, 1978. Nearly 92 years. And I heard him preach when he was 91. Somebody had said, Dr. Lee, when did you retire? He said, retire. He said, I never retired. I never retired. I resigned from my pulpit at Bellevue, but I never retired. And he went on serving Christ. Why, he could have sat down at Memphis. He, I guess he had it financially all right. He didn't need the little love gifts at various churches. Little churches and big churches gave him. But there was something in his bosom. I must preach. I must work the works while it is day. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Don't look forward to that day when you can retire. See how much you can give God as you go along in life. Give God all you have, all the days of your life, until there are no more days to give. Now, I do not mean by that that there's anything wrong with reaching the point where you disassociate yourself from the job you've held for 30 or 40 years and you start doing something else. I'm just saying don't ever sit down in the rocking chair and twiddle your thumbs. Don't ever just sit down and say, well, I've got it made now. I'm just going to quit. My friend, we never have it made until we enter the ports of glory. And the book of remembrance that is being written by the Lord it's for those who fear Him and who often speak one to another about the Lord, about the things of God. Poverty-stricken is that one, spiritually, who can talk about the weather and can talk about the games. And there's nothing wrong with the weather today, is there? <laughs> one of the most beautiful November days I've ever seen. And there are a few things wrong with some of the games. We wish the scores could be a little bit different. But sad is it when a person can talk about all those things as important as they are and yet never talk about the Lord. Never talk about the Lord. The only time we ever talk about the Lord is when we go to church. And there we sing. And we read the Bible. And maybe a Sunday school teacher gets up and teaches. And we hear religious things and then... We leave the church premises, not again, until we go back to the church, do we talk about the Lord again. <clears throat> the Bible says that this book of remembrance is written for those who often talk to one another about the Lord and who fear the Lord. There are many things that Jesus does when he comes into the human heart. One of them is to free us from fear. My friend, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live under the clutches of fear. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. When Christ comes into the human heart, he can take fear away. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of anything. But we do need to fear God. When you come to a point in life where you never fear God and you think you can be in debt to the bank and you be in debt concerning your car and you can be in debt concerning God and you look at all of them and you say, well, I guess God's some kind of Santa Claus kind of God. He understands, so I'll just uh, let him ride and I'll pay the bank and I'll pay my car, but I'll not pay God. There's not much fear of God in your heart when you do that. That's what this is speaking of. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I don't mean be scared of Him. I don't mean run when you hear His name. But there needs to be such a godly, awesome... and joy and peace that precious name of Jesus 
you think upon him, he takes the little baby, and that little baby is in his hand. He takes the teenager, that teenager is in his hand. He takes the old man who doesn't have any place to go, and that old man can be in his hand because he's got the whole world in his hand. Now, when we think of God and his providential care, and we know that he cares, we can also say, be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. Where's my money coming from? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Where's my strength coming from? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Where's my peace coming from? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the God of peace shall garrison your heart about. A book was written, a book of remembrance for them that feared the Lord. If your name is not written in the book of life, it will not be written in the book of remembrance. Theologically, when you study systematic theology, someone might say, well, the book of remembrance is the same as the book of life or the book of judgment. I do not know how to answer that. I know that there are books mentioned many times in the scriptures. But for our purpose today, and as I see it, the book of remembrance is for those who fear the Lord and speak often one to another and to think upon his name. A little bit different from the book of life. But how do you get your name written in the book of life? The book of life is for those who come to life. Eternal death is the destiny of those who reject God's only remedy for sin. And the only remedy for sin is Jesus. Eternal death is the destiny of those who reject God's remedy for sin. If you're without Jesus today, then you're headed for an eternal hell, separated from God forever and forever. But if you come to Christ, receive Him as Savior, then Christ in you becomes the hope of glory. Will you trust Him today? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of prayer. We thank Thee for all that have come to God's house today to study, to show themselves approved unto God. We pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to those who are without Jesus. May they come to Christ. May this be an hour of liberty and victory for someone who has never been saved. Take an open stand for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? We're going to sing God's invitation. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come, I come to thee. I want to invite you, if you're without Jesus, you've never received him as your personal Savior, I want to invite you to come to Christ this morning just like you are. Out of your bondage, sorrow, and night, 
Jesus, I come to thee. There's hope in Christ. There's victory in Christ. There's peace in Christ. There's power in Christ. Would you come to him and trust him and love him and honor him? If you're already saved, would you come and take a public stand for him and follow the Lord in baptism? If your membership is in some other church and God wants you here at this church, would you come, moving your letter? You do what God's Holy Spirit leads you to do. While we begin to sing, who will step out for the King? Come, quickly, come for Christ now.